And another thing And another thing And another thing And another thing Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing the podcast that continues to set the bar in the world of podcasts. My name is Jody Jenkins. And my name is Tony Clement. And Tony, you are fresh off, what, seven, eight days over in France? Yeah, I went with my daughter and my wife. We were in France and uh, I didn't wear a mask once, Jody. That's like, that's, what what does that indicate? Like, but you're, that things were good. (laughs) Yeah, things were fine. The French are over it. I'm just telling you. That's like the new thing. Like, you know, people go somewhere and they always have to throw in. And I didn't wear a mask at all. Well, the funny thing was even at the airport, no, there's no mandate at the airport. Oh, seriously? Yeah. So you go to the air, you know, when we were flying back to Toronto from Lyon, we get to the airport. Uh, My wife chooses to wear a mask. That's her choice. Uh, So, but I'm there without a mask. I'm there, you know, waiting two hours for our flight without a mask. I get to the, the, literally the door of the Air Canada aircraft. And there's somebody there making sure I have a mask on. No way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So that, and we know uh, there was a recent vote in parliament. We're the only country that is still doing this ridiculous uh, uh, vaccination. I know you're, uh, you're a little bit peeved uh, on the vaccination front for travel. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm more than peeved. I've got a, quickly, I've got a charity golf event coming up in July. And we're bringing in some pro golfers from the States and clearly, as you know, not a surprise, out of out of all of them that are coming, there are a handful that are not vaccinated, and of course, they're going to have difficulty getting over the border. Although I'm being told by many people, I'm not telling them to do anything illegal, but I'm being told that if you just drive over, that it's very likely that you'll get in anyway. So well, I'm kind of letting people make their own decision. Why, why we still have the rules? If exactly. Be, you know, it's just ridiculous. Exactly. So again, <laughs> I, I it just. I did call my local MP, Ryan Williams, and I said, look, I'm not happy about this. Like, if you want to stand up and say that you are, you know, you're affecting a, you know, I'm just one of many things I'm sure that's going on that are affected by it. But I said, like, this could have an impact on an event that's raising money for the homeless here in our, because that's what we raise money for in our local shelter. So anyway, I'm. uh, I had a a good trip with uh, the family. Absolutely. Some good food and some. cultural experiences. So yes, I'm uh, rested and ready for our podcast world yet again. Excellent. Well, don't forget this show is brought to you each week by the team at Municipal Solutions. John Mutton and the crew doing a wonderful job there. You can find them online at municipalsolutions.ca. And Tony, I know that you can expand on more of what they do. Congratulations to John. I think he's celebrating his one-year wedding anniversary to Anna. Oh, wow. Remember when they were stuck in Poland? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because of the the shutdown of everything uh, due to COVID. Anyway, they're they're still married. That's great. And uh, one year, congratulations to John. And of course, his firm, Municipal Solutions, is Ontario's leading MZO firm. And so, if you need a municipal zoning order, they're great for that. They know how to do that. They know how to get the development approval. They know how to get the permits, the planning services, the engineering, architectural services minor variances and land severances. It's all there. Just go to municipalsolutions.ca, talk to John and the team, and they'll help you out. 
And then just a quick reminder that uh, this program and all the other programs over time have been rebroadcast on Hunter's Bay Radio. That's 88.7 FM in Muskoka, Saturday mornings, 8.30 a.m. And people are listening to our podcast on Terrestrial Radio, Jody. Excellent. And don't forget, looneypolitics.com. Become an exclusive subscriber by using the code podcast. You'll get 50% off an annual subscription. And when you become a subscriber, you will get access to content that you cannot get anywhere else, including shows that you can only hear Mm -hmm. uh, by us on Looney Politics. So make sure you check that out, looneypolitics.com. And then I think we're going to do uh, probably an Ontario election wrap-up next week, I, I'm presuming, right? Yeah, 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 because that wraps up this week, and That's then we'll right. do a little debrief. Uh, I mean, what a pretty pretty anticlimactic <laughs> election, if you ask me. Yeah, I it's think like you're right. Writers are just looking for stories. It's, it's just so it's just scraping the bottom of the barrel. I will <laughs> say this. Do you know this Sean O'Shea guy from Global? No. Oh, my gosh. I've been watching some of his stuff, like – He's like a he's like the king of like gotcha politics and in reporting, and it's just like it's I just didn't even know that was a big thing anymore, but he like he just follows people with a mic, sticks it right in your face, and asks you like oh, the yeah. most like offside questions there are, right? Oh, I've had that in my day, believe me. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I know. I just it's just so old. I just yeah. I mean I just don't even like I, I didn't even know that kind of journalism still existed to be honest. Well, they're. Uh, I guess you're right. They're they're a little bit desperate right now because yeah, it's, not much has happened in terms of the trajectory of the result. I would have to say. So, it's, uh, anyway. Well, yeah. Anyway, I will, I'm not. I, I digress because I don't want to take away from no. our guest. And no, and and indeed, uh, this is uh, our guest is not from Ontario. So uh, let me introduce her uh, on behalf of us. And of course, we're talking about Rebecca Schultz, who is the MLA, the member of the Legislative Assembly in Alberta for Calgary Shaw, and she was sworn in as Alberta's Minister of Children's Services on April 30th of 2019. Uh, recently, she negotiated a child care funding agreement with Ottawa to provide $10 a day child care. And uh, I got to know Rebecca a little bit at the Canada Strong and Free Networking Conference last month, where she was one of the millennial conservative politicians uh, on the stage with me. I wasn't the millennial. I want to make that clear. Uh, And to talk about what conservatives have to do to get back to a 50% plus one electoral success. Rebecca Schultz, welcome to our program. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So let me start off. I mean, the obvious elephant in the room, uh, since the last time we chatted, uh, we've had your premier, Kenny, uh, indicate his intention to resign his office uh, once a new leader is selected. So just take us through what must have been a crazy time in politics for, for you these last couple of weeks. You know, it's definitely been, I think, somewhat unpredictable. And, you know, first and foremost, I want to say that I am grateful to Premier Kenny for all that he did to bring essentially two center-right conservative parties together here in Alberta. It's what got me involved in Alberta politics was uh, really that um, work towards unity and making sure that we could um, see a conservative government again here in Alberta. And so I'm very grateful for the work uh, that he did to unite the parties. And we had a very ambitious agenda and even throughout a pandemic managed to complete, I think, 90% of our platform commitments. So, I mean, his leadership has really um, been, 
I, I mean, it's just nobody works as hard as Premier Kenny. And, um, you know, I think he has shown a lot of great leadership. We, we did have members um, vote. There was a leadership review. And following that review, um, the Premier did state that he would be stepping down. I'm grateful for his service and respect his decision. And so now we will be headed into a leadership race here in Alberta. Yeah, it must have been a, a very emotional cabinet meeting. Uh, sorry, a cabinet meeting and caucus meeting. I guess you had probably both since the uh, decision mm-hmm. was announced. So, yeah, and you know, I would say that you know, I, I again, I think largely we we are a big tent coalition. We have an amazing team uh, of MLAs, and they are, I believe, wholeheartedly committed to unity and to working hard to defeat the NDP in the next election. We have an election here coming up. Uh, next spring, so not too too long away, uh, around a year or just just shy of that. So um, there's a lot of work to do between now and then. But you know, I certainly am am grateful for all Premier did for our party and for our movement and for unity. And uh, it will definitely be uh, an interesting couple of months ahead. Can you tell? Uh, I'm just switching gears for a sec here. Then, uh, just uh, obviously, we try to get non-Ontario politicians on our program a little bit as well, even though we're, we're, both Jody and I are Ontario-based. So mm-hmm. could you just uh, tell our audience a little bit about how you landed in politics and what your background is? Yeah, sure. So I originally started as a political staffer back in Saskatchewan. Uh, I'm originally from Saskatchewan, and that was, I think, in 2009. So um, I got involved. I was working in Premier Wall's office, and I just fell in love with politics. I had always been interested, and I I think that really sealed the deal. Uh, So then I got involved in campaigning, lots of door knocking, um, and really got pretty passionate about growing our conservative movement. Um, Fast forward, I moved to Alberta with my family. I always wanted to live in Alberta, uh, specifically Calgary. It's a fantastic city to live in, a great place to raise a family. And I was watching what was happening. You know, we had an NDP government here. Um, There was a vote split. We had the Wild Rose of the PC parties. um, And there was really a vote split. And I think people were um, frustrated uh, for a variety of reasons. And we saw an NDP government. Largely, I think, um, at the same time, we had an economic downturn and policies that did not help our economic recovery. So, you know, I think there was lots of excitement for unity, lots of people saying, hey, we need to bring um, the center right together so that we have a conservative government again here that is focused on jobs, the economy, supporting our energy industry. And that got me really excited. Um, I thought this is a new party. Uh, I had always wanted to run. And then it was the very first UCP AGM. I remember Um, Brad Wall was speaking there and he talked about compassionate conservatism. Ron Ambrose was there talking about how many times women have to be asked to run before they decide they put their name on a ballot. And I heard Premier Kenny talk about the importance of our conservative values driving this economic recovery. And I thought, you know what, this is there's no better time than right now. Uh, And so it was a pretty uh, intensely contested nomination. Uh, But I think it comes back to something that you would know very well, hard work. Uh, mm-hmm. humility wins every time. And so uh, here I am. Wow. So it was contested and, mm. did, and I had this happen to me. I'd, so I'd, I'd love to know what happened with you. But when I contested the nomination in my federal riding of Perry Sam Muskoka, I was seen as an outsider because I hadn't lived all my life in Muskoka. Did you have to do a sales job as a, as a person from Saskatchewan or did they embrace you right away? 
you know what? So many people in Alberta are from Saskatchewan and ah. this is the story we knew, you know, in Saskatchewan, yeah. we had 16 years of an NDP government and people continually moving to Alberta for jobs and right. opportunity. And, you know, even though things were, were going well in, in terms of Saskatchewan, when, when I left that pull to Alberta still really existed for me. And so there are so many people in my constituency that, um, you know, are from Saskatchewan, have family from Saskatchewan. Rider game days were great days for me to sell memberships uh, as I was door knocking around in South Calgary. Right. Um, but, you know, we had people who had been involved in politics for a really long time, uh, whether that had been on the progressive conservative side or the Wild Rose um, side of the two original um, parties. And my thought was, look, I'm just going to go knock every door. And I know I said this when we were at Canada Strong and Free uh, a couple weeks back. I believe that our conservative values of freedom, family, faith, um, community, the importance of a strong economy, these are things that the vast majority, um, I believe, of Albertans really really identify with. And so instead of just, you know, taking out lists and, and contacting friends, I didn't have a campaign team. I didn't have donors. I had no campaign manager. I, in fact, started out with no volunteers and I just door wow. every day by myself. Um, and I knocked every single door um, just asking people, how did you feel about the current government? What do you want to see in your government? Um, and then signed up new members and grew our movement. And so that was, I think there was four people running against me. I think at the end of, um, at the end of the race, there were three other people on the ballot and it really was just hard work growing the movement and listening to what people had to say. Wow. That's uh, that is impressive because I know how, uh, it, uh, it it can be daunting to go into a place where you you haven't grown up, and I I, I may I say that without knocking you for not having grown up there, but it's just you know uh, Canadians move around a little bit, and so you mm -hmm. you have to uh, you have to impress people all over again uh, in your in your adopted riding. Let me talk a little bit about Calgary too, because there is a little bit of a spring in the step of Calgary these days, uh, the Calgary flames, notwithstanding, uh, that sort of bring up that, but, uh, we, you, you had know, to uh, bring that up. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I wanted to make sure people realized uh, that this was taped after the flames lost to the Oilers. Yeah. But, uh, obviously, uh, now, you know, with, uh, Canadian oil being talked about as a valuable commodity again, especially given the fact that it's not Russian oil, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, are, are you finding in your in your community in Calgary uh, a, a sense of greater optimism now? There is. And I mean, oil and gas prices are exceptionally high right now. And obviously that is a positive. But I think it's the story that we've been telling for years that the world needs Alberta oil and gas, that it is ethically produced, that we have high social and environmental standards um, and that we need to get our uh, energy products to market. And this, I guess the situation that we're seeing in Ukraine right now um, is really highlighting that issue. So not only that, but we're seeing record investments in terms of venture capital here in Alberta. We have um, thousands of jobs being created every single day. I think it was a, over 130 jobs created last year as we came out of the pandemic, and we're seeing that continue. So um, in addition to oil and gas, we're also seeing major investments in, in manufacturing, in film and television, um, and other resources. So things are really, you know, starting to turn around as we really are starting to feel the impacts of an economic recovery. 
Yeah, and that's that. That is a good point. Uh, certainly, the tech sector in Calgary, and you, you mentioned uh, the uh, the television and film sector. So it's not just oil and gas these days, is it? It's true, and I think there had always been a lot of talk about diversification, but I I think we still have to remember that a strong energy sector here in Alberta is not just beneficial to Albertans; it it is beneficial to all of Canada. Um, and so I think it's exciting to see both um, diversification, but also just really lots of opportunity and lots of focus on our oil and gas sector. Now, at Canada Strong and Free, you referenced that as did I. You you talked about conservatives reaching out to millennials and uh, just sort of, I don't want you to replay everything, but I thought it was a really interesting discussion that you and Melissa Lansman and a previous guest, uh, Raquel Dancho, she's been on our podcast. Actually, both of them have been on our podcast uh, previously. So give us your sense. You you did talk about hard work and I I get that, but I guess you're quite optimistic that we have a message that can go out to millennials as conservatives. Uh, Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. And, you know, that was a great discussion because I think, you know, what we all agree on, and I think it's, it was an interesting discussion because we all come from different parts of the country. And I think we all landed on the same thing that, you know, sometimes what the left puts forward in terms of ideals, um, you know, aren't really what plays out in terms of uh, the reality of what's best for young people. And so what young people are seeing right now they want opportunities. They want to be able to afford a home. And unfortunately, I think what they were seeing in terms of liberal policies, uh, liberal NDP policies, is not making their lives better. So we do have, I think, an opportunity to talk about the conservative value proposition. I think that sometimes we feel like we need to frame our values and our platforms um in contrast to what the left is doing. And I I firmly believe that, again, given our values, when it's, you know, freedom, family, community, faith, um, you know, opportunity, jobs, um, being able to to own a home. I I mean, housing is obviously top of mind for a lot of young people right now. Um, We have a lot to offer and we don't have to go to liberal light policies to attract a new generation of voters. However, sometimes, and I know we talked a little bit about the $10 a day childcare deal, sometimes you have a tagline and and a lot of young people are on social media and sometimes they say, well, you know, we we care about the environment or we care about um, social issues. Yeah, okay. You know, conservatives also care about the environment. And let's talk about, you know, for example, oil and gas and the great record that we have when it comes to environmental um, standards and policies around sustainable energy development. Let's talk about that. Um, it's not always, though, as simple as something that fits in a 30 second soundbite. So right. while we need to, you know, some, and, and sometimes we do as conservatives, we, we go down the policy rabbit hole and we fall down on communications. Um, we, yes, I think using social media and um, new platforms is important. But I also think, again, it comes down to just real human connection with people having those conversations. Anytime I knock on a door and there are young people in the house, let's talk about politics. What do you care about? Uh, And it was the same when, you know, even during the nomination, I would meet people who said, you know, I don't really know much about politics. And oftentimes in provincial politics, my question is, have you driven on a highway? Did you go to school? Have you been to university? Do you want to get a job after university? Have you been to a hospital? If any of those things are true, then you know 
provincial politics. So let's talk about what you think on those issues. So I think it's a little bit of both. I, I think it's making sure that we have a good story to tell. Um, you know, I think there are lots of people federally right now, as we watch the federal leadership race, kind of nailing down what are those conservative value propositions and policy ideas and really um, palatable sound bites. Um, but it, I think, again, it comes down to having real conversations and doing that outreach as well. Yeah, I found what you said there very important because um, sometimes we we get um, uh, really focused on whether it should be a TikTok video or a podcast long form discussion or or what have you. But you're you're reminding us that it's it still is uh, a, a f- sometimes a face to face conversation by an advocate who can understand what our position is and it, like yourself, you're a candidate or uh, you're an advocate for our position. So it, it, just talk about that. I mean, because uh, for for me, it's it it must be a combination of the of of those things. Uh, that, that, you know, we 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 should not shun posting a TikTok video uh, or you know, uh, Pierre Polyev has been known for his YouTube videos and, and what have you, but uh, it is also having those conversations face to face. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when you mention Pierre, a lot of his um, YouTube videos, absolutely great, simple message and lots of times being based on conversations that he's having with real people that he meets on the campaign trail. And so that's where I say it's not one, like there's not one medium that is the answer. Um, But sometimes we do have to go around traditional media to get our points across as conservatives. And so um, I think it's not as simple as saying there's one way to do it, but I think having a consistent message across all of those different platforms and mediums, but then also making sure that it's based in what we're hearing uh, from everyday, you know, whether that's Canadians or Albertans, uh, and using what people are telling us is top of mind for them to drive those messages, uh, because that helps us create that human connection. Sure. Uh, we've got time for one more question for you. So uh, it might be a bit of a zinger, but I'd, I'd love to get your response on this. <laughs> uh, you deal, you know, you you deal obviously with uh, being the children's minister, uh, you deal with uh parents and kids all the time. So what lessons did you learn from your parents that are helpful in your current role? Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I think my parents really instilled in me just the value of hard work. And that I think really is what uh, I keep coming back to that Mm -hmm. there's really no replacement for that, that, you know, anything in life you have to work hard for and you have to be disciplined and Those are things that, you know, they definitely instilled in me. But also, I think um, just the encouragement to take risks and, you know, make some wild decisions, because I can tell you that deciding to jump into politics and and you know this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that, you know, it's risky. And so there's a lot of uncertainty, I think, uh, when, you know, you leave politics. you know, in my case, I left a great job and uh, a, a pension and, you know, some consistency and nine to five ish, I would say, um, for the wild world of politics. But I think really it was hard work and compassion for other people. Um, and, and also just to be yourself, because I think that's the other thing, too. And it's something we talked about at uh, Canada Strong and Free. Right. 
you know, what, what made me different uh, from the other candidates? It, it, it's just who I am, right? I'm not saying I'm better. I'm just saying I'm different and not trying to pretend that I'm somebody or something that I'm not. Authenticity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This has been a great discussion, Rebecca. Uh, we're going to have to cut it off at this point, but we certainly wish you well. It's going to be interesting times in Alberta politics, and uh, certainly we, uh, we wish you well on that as well. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was great to chat. Excellent discussion, as always. And um, yeah, she uh, did she say that like she won her very first time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was a staffer, and then staffer in another province, and then she was a she was an MLA in in Alberta, and then a cabinet minister shortly thereafter. So yeah, I find it's, it's not star. always it's not always the best to win your first time running in an election because I know of many many politicians. I, didn't. I, didn't. I know many politicians that win the first time, and they think that it's easy, like or that it's you know oh I you know not that they didn't work for it, but all my point is that when they lose eventually, if they do. Right, it, it hits them a lot harder. That's been my experience. Mm, yeah, it's never fun to lose, whether you lost at the beginning. No, or but well, yeah, but you, I think losing, I think losing in the, your your first election tempers you a bit. Yeah, no, I lost the first you time know. I ran for something. I lost for same sure. here. And, uh, no. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you're. I think you you can learn a life life lesson from that. But uh, she's she won, so give her credit for that. And uh, she seems to be doing uh, some good work there as a minister of children's services. And uh, yeah, they're going to have some. They're going to have an interesting leadership race. Well, she's in the discussion for that, eh? I, her, I her name I, comes up. Yeah, her name comes up. I didn't ask her, you know, because they're they're just going to say the the usual thing. Oh yeah. Uh, but we'll 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 keep track of her as a, as now a now a guest of our program. We've got so many guests who are doing some interesting things, and she'll be one of them. I think. Well, you know, you know, I mean, obviously, you know what happens to people when they come on the show. <laughs> no, their careers dude. their careers explode one way or the other. <laughs> So Don't she's either that. going to be the leader of the UCP yeah. or she's going to lose the next election. Yeah. It's one of well, those. Dave Pacini's still in, still in yeah. the Pacini's like, well. by the way, Pacini's like silent. He either thinks he's going to lose his riding or he's just working like a, like a madman. Oh, he's I, working I, hard. Yeah. He, he's working I, hard. I, I, I haven't heard from him in like six weeks. Although he did, he did uh, contact me and he wanted us to have better pictures uh, of our guests. Yeah, uh, that's his big thing. Revolution. I know he's always he's always I, like, "Why I, do you have like out of focus <laughs> pictures?" I said, "It's Tony's thing." I don't know. I said, "I said I'll bring it up with our art department." <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, once again, this show brought to you each week by the team at Municipal Solutions. You can find them online at municipalsolutions.ca. Uh, also, looneypolitics.com. Make sure you yes. become a subscriber. Use the code podcast to get 50% off your annual subscription. And of course, Tony, give the plug for your local hometown yeah. radio. Yeah, they're doing they're doing the live, they're not live streaming, but tape streaming of our uh, podcasts every week, Saturday, 8.30 a.m. Uh, Hunters Bay Radio, 88.7 FM, huntersbayradio.com. And a big shout out to Jordan and the team at yes. MNC Podcast for their work each week to get us out there. So we and I have a date that. with Steve Pakin. I'm going to give him one of the Tony Clement and Joni Jenkins and another thing podcast <laughs> mugs. Finally, hopefully he's not upset with me from some of my comments. I <laughs> saw that out. Looney politics tweeted out our, yeah. our uh, debrief <laughs> or whatever recap for the Ontario election and said, you know, something along the lines of hopefully Steve Pakin, uh, 
still listens or so I don't remember I what he's throwing throw we don't throwing, didn't mind that we thrown throwing shade. shade that's yeah. what it was yeah yeah so. yeah yeah anyway give Steven my best I will I will do so <laughs> all right Tony we'll do this again in seven days you bet